edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, here with you, as always. And in today's show, I'll be recapping the top 20 running backs from fantasy football in 2022, excluding week 18, because it's time for the part two of the fantasy recap series. We did quarterbacks last time, doing running backs this time. Throughout most of this weekend, I've had a fever and still been doing a ton of homework and stuff for school, but course we still got an episode to get out and i'm feeling better enough to be able to do the show so that's good news i'm really really excited to be here with you all today so thank you all for tuning in be sure you're subscribed follow on twitter at sgf pod at calvin underscore sgf you can send fantasy questions there or to second and goal fantasy at gmail.com but basically we're doing the fantasy football recap series where we have four episodes one for each major position and talk about how they did, how the top players did, and why they did that, and their projections for the future from 2022. So this week, it's running backs, and we will jump right into it. So, of course, last week we did quarterbacks. Go check that out if you would like. It's in your feed. The RB1 on the year, it was interesting. It was Austin Eckler. And Eckler, of course, for the Chargers, an incredible pass-catching back, and he was dropping a ton of touchdowns this year. That was the main story. 18 touchdowns, 13 on the ground, five through the air. He continuously put up incredible fantasy finishes. Multiple weeks as the number one RB. In total, he had five weeks as a top three RB on the season. So he was giving you massive, massive performances. Sometimes he'd be a little bit inconsistent. He actually had a few performances outside of the top 30 as well. But for the most part, was giving you pretty solid fantasy numbers week in and week out. And actually, I mean, he started off the season a little slow, didn't have over 10 fantasy points in standard. Well, I guess this is, I'm looking at standard right now, um, but this is episodes for half PPR. So he actually had over 10 points just once in the first three weeks in half PPR for fantasy football, then started really going crazy. He went off a ton and um, basically had a bunch of big weeks. So, of course, there have been questions in the past about his ability to run between the tackles and uh, be physical. Of course, he's not the best between the tackles running back, but he gets a ton of receptions, which is huge for fantasy. So he should be one of the top RBs off the board. Obviously, the discussion with a lot of these running backs is injury risk, and Eckler's been injured a good bit, but so are most RBs. And most RBs end up missing a couple games a season anyway. Really, the healthiest RBs obviously end up finishing the highest, but Eckler did play through a full season, showed that he's not too injury-riddled, and I think he's going to be safe at the top of drafts next year in the first round. But I do want to point out something interesting. In weeks 1 through 17, these top 12 RBs, none of them missed more than one game. Like, so, I mean, (laughs) you, you see there, like, the healthiest guys are the ones that usually get the most fantasy points. And obviously, there's guys who played all 16 games and didn't do much, like Devin Singletary at the RB23. But, like, there's you have to stay healthy to be able to get a truly elite RB finish. Of course, most running backs still have injuries from time to time. It's hard to think of a running back that hasn't because there really aren't any. So Eckler, though, is the RB1, was fantastic last year. The RB2, of course, this was a guy who was traded midseason, Christian McCaffrey. He was incredible on the 49ers. I That was one of my best midseason takes, actually, is that when people were fading CMC when he went to the 49ers because, oh, we wouldn't get enough receptions or whatever, I predicted he would be the top RB in fantasy. And I think Eckler may have just edged him out there, like just barely, but it was still for sure. Um, If he did, it was definitely very, very close. McCaffrey still finishes the RB2 on the season. He stayed healthy. I mean, it was great to see. I, I feel like people don't talk about this enough. Christian McCaffrey finally got out there and played a full 16-game season in those 17 weeks. Like, he was out there for every single game. Of course, got traded to the Niners, Uh, went crazy. He's going to be an integral piece of this offense for 
years and years, hopefully, to come, I mean, at least for next year, because of, we know about the running back shelf life. But some games, I mean, he would get a ton of carries, but he doesn't even have to get a ton of carries because he's just so efficient with how this offense operates and how many other playmakers there are. He might even be a better pick than Ackler at the top of drafts, but it's going to be definitely something that's debatable as to who's the top RB off the board. I think Eckler's got a case, McCaffrey's got a case, and maybe some of these other guys do too, depending on your opinion. The RB3, Josh Jacobs. In Josh McDaniels' offense, Josh Jacobs became a workhorse. He's going to be a top-end RB1 next year as well. I mean, he got a lot of work. This was something, the breakout like finally happened under John Gruden. It just wasn't happening. He wasn't getting enough work. Now with Josh McDaniels, he got a ton of carries. Was really, um, I mean, he had great weeks, multiples, the RB1 overall in fantasy just went crazy. Even in games where the Raiders lost, which was something out of the ordinary for Jacobs in prior years, he would be a running back that was heavily dependent on game script. And if the Raiders were losing, he wouldn't do well, but he did well this year. The RB4, King Henry, he came back in a big way from the foot injury from a year ago at 29 years old, still had a huge year. I just think that Derrick Henry is such a superhuman that you really can't bet on any fall off until it actually happens. Every running back's at some sort of risk. Keep drafting Derrick Henry in your top five RBs until further notice. Number five RB, and this is where we actually get a drop-off because Saquon Barkley was the RB5. He was 2.2 fantasy points per game less in average than Derrick Henry. So that's definitely the elite tier. But then there was Saquon Barkley, and he was one of the comeback players of the year in terms of fantasy football. Got a lot of work. His situation's a lot more murky, though, because we don't know if he's going to stay in Jackson, or in, not Jacksonville, with the Giants. If he does, I think we can expect more of this RB1 type of numbers. I don't think he's ever going to return to the RB1 overall finish that he had in past years, but his receptions definitely went up, which was very, very helpful for his fantasy value. He really needed that reception floor, and he got some big runs and a lot of big games as well. So Barkley, if he signs with the Giants, we can expect more of the same. If he goes to another team, I think he'll still be productive wherever he goes. Um, of course, you've got to, it's got to start with a good offensive line, though, because if Barkley just has nobody up front, the problem is those big plays don't really materialize for him, and he's got elite next-level speed. But if he doesn't get any blocks, it's going to be hard for those to pick up, and he might be inefficient. So it he's a guy who heavily depends on the offensive line even more than some other RBs do. The RB6 through uh, like 10 actually is an interesting tier. RB6 is Nick Chubb. He averaged 15.5 fantasy points per game. I think we know what he is at this point from the Browns. Um, going to continue to run with him in a run-heavy offense. I think he'll still be elite next year, even with Deshaun Watson. The RB7 was Tony Pollard. This was interesting. Pollard somewhat like felt inconsistent, but he had just enough big weeks and continued to be involved in the passing game and splitting carries with Elliott to where he's got a case to be in the top 12 next year as well. Like He's obviously more elusive and less of a bigger body than Elliott, but as Elliott continues to decline, Pollard gets more and more involved. Tony Pollard had over 1,000 rushing yards this year, nearly 400 receiving yards, 12 touchdowns. He put up some good numbers. Like He should be involved in the first or second rounds of drafts, and it's possible because of the name that people see him as kind of a middling guy, even though he's not. He might slip in drafts a little bit more, and you might be able to get a value on it. RB8, Dalvin Cook. He averaged 13.5 fantasy points per game, so a down year for him by fantasy standards. He's another one like Derrick Henry who we can expect to be on RB1 until further notice. Didn't go too crazy this year, only 10 touchdowns. I think the touchdowns could bounce back a little bit in future years. RB9, Aaron Jones, 13.3 fantasy points per game for him. He felt inconsistent, of course, because um, the whole situation with A.J. Dillon at points throughout the year. He had some a number of games below 10 attempts. But if you're going to be okay with some inconsistency with Aaron Jones, 
really pair him with a more safe RB or safe wide receiver in the early rounds of drafts, he can still go as a top 12 guy. RB10 was Ramondre Stevenson, and he's a guy I'm excited for in the future for sure. He really took over for Damian Harris throughout the year. Looks like the RB1 in New England. And if the Patriots can upgrade this offense a little more, he'll get even more opportunities in the red zone because that was the one thing that was missing. Only five touchdowns for Ramondre Stevenson, but he had some massive weeks, two games over 150 yards rushing, had a lot of receptions too, which was interesting. 69 catches on 88 targets. And he's a bigger body that you might not have expected to get as many receptions, but he certainly did and put up a lot of points for you. So in full PPR and half PPR, he's very valuable. RB11 on the year was Miles Sanders. And finally, the Miles Sanders breakout happened, and it's because the Eagles were winning every game. Like, we've seen Sanders get scripted out of so many games when the Eagles are trailing, but the Eagles were so dominant this year that Sanders had enough room to be efficient, and he finally really had the breakout. I think I mentioned last summer that it kind of felt like we it, like people were trying to talk themselves into Miles Sanders every single year, and every single year he would disappoint. And maybe it's time to face the fact that he's not, like, that incredible of an RB. I still don't think he's that great of an RB, but... And I think he, I think it was just in a great situation. And he will continue as long as he continues to be in the situation where the Eagles are winning games, meaning if Jalen Hurts resigns, I think Sanders can continue to be great. He was very efficient on the ground, that's for sure. I'm not saying he's a bad RB by any means, but he's definitely not some sort of elite stud. Like he's not the 11th best RB in the league just because he finished there in fantasy. He's just got an ideal situation and will probably. I don't know. He might go end up going a little bit overdrafted in leagues next year. Maybe it's because I have just Miles Sanders name bias from all the times he's burned me in the past, but we'll see. RB12 on the year. This guy is really interesting. It's going to depend on the status of DeAndre Swift, whether, I don't know, if he could get traded or whatever happens, but Jamal Williams was the RB12. I think well, I'm going to expect him to fall off somewhat because he definitely did fall off at the end of the year. Like from weeks 12 through 16, didn't have a finish inside the top 20, and DeAndre Swift got more involved, but excuse me, didn't really like come back to full fruition. Jamal Williams, he got a lot of work in the red zone, 17 touchdowns. That's the thing that worries me because that's not happening from every single year. That's not going to happen again. I think Jamal Williams definitely falls off at least into the RB2 territory. It's, we're going to have to wait and see, though, about word on how much DeAndre Swift's workload is expected to increase because he could fall out of that RB2 territory as well if Swift gets back involved. RB13 was Joe Mixon. He missed two games this year but was fantastic. He is going to be great in this uh, Bengals offense with so many weapons. He's always very efficient. I saw this report that was like Mixon's a cut candidate potentially. I think that's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense to cut him given how much they rely on him. He had another two plus 200 plus attempt season and 60 reception season on the ground. He is great. He gets a lot of work. He'll be good for you. RB 14, Leonard Fournette. And he's a guy that's going to be tough to trust next year in a non-Tom Brady offense. Leonard Fournette has had many, many years. He's now 28 years old, could be hitting that RB wall very soon. He's definitely not quite as good as he used to be. Averaged 3.5 yards per carry on the ground this year, too. It was just 73 receptions that were keeping him afloat. And it's interesting that he's become such of a pass-catching guy, but who knows? Will Kyle Trask check down the ball to Leonard Fournette as much as Tom Brady did? We're not really sure. He's going to be a guy that's really risky, and if you're betting on him, you're going to have to bet on what he's done last season and really the prior production because I don't think it gets much better than it has like two years ago in last season for Leonard Fournette but it could equal that if Kyle Trask starts to check it down a ton becomes the new Tom Brady 
RB15 was Najee Harris. He had 11.8 fantasy points per game. He felt like he finished a lot lower than the RB15, to be honest. After the bye, though, he did have a couple of good performances. Problem was, Steelers couldn't really move the ball. Only had seven rushing touchdowns. Harris was 3.8 yards per carry. And it's just going to really have to start with the Steelers rebuilding their O-line. So my thoughts on Najee Harris are really going to depend on how the Steelers pull their offense together heading into next year. Maybe if they make some improvements at quarterback, if Kenny Pickett's getting good reports in training camp. But he's certainly very talented, so he doesn't fall outside of the RB2 range for me, really, no matter what happens, just because of his talent level inside. The RB16 was Travis Etienne. Good to see him back out there and playing a full season. Of course, James Robinson is now gone. It was interesting, though, because Etienne wasn't that good in the late season, even with James Robinson gone. I think I expect him to step it up considerably coming up next year. He had a couple games where he mysteriously got low workloads, but I think next season um, they'll be, he'll be a more consistent factor in this offense. Of course, he's their lead guy, and I think that's going to mean he will be a top 20 RB for fantasy next year because of his explosive level talent at getting big plays. He had five different 100-yard games on the ground this year. Those reception numbers are okay. Maybe they could go up a little bit. Who knows? He's a good pass catcher. He just didn't get targeted as much by Trevor Lawrence, who didn't have as much of a tendency to throw the RB. The RB17 was James Conner, and he actually averaged 13.6 fantasy points per game. Like He was averaging borderline RB1 numbers when he was out there. He just missed three games. But James Conner continued to be a valuable selection for those of you who continue to pursue it. It was boring, and sometimes it was even without Kyler Murray, but James Conner, for some reason, has had a career resurgence to even without to where even without Kyler Murray, he had 46 receptions, he had 4.3 yards per carry, was putting up some elite fantasy finishes. He had four top 8-10 finishes after week 10 and later. He's at 27 years old, though, so that RB wall could hit soon. But again, he had a career resurgence once. There's no reason he couldn't do it again. I, I feel as though James Conner still remains in that RB2 tier as well. The RB18, though, is Ezekiel Elliott. This is a guy who is hitting the back end of the RB2 tier. Just be not because he may, may not finish as a top 24 RB again next year, but because he just continues to be kind of meh, and he doesn't have a ton of upside. And you got to be chasing upside in those fantasy drafts in terms of getting guys who can win you your league, not just a guy like Ezekiel Elliott who can be mediocre. Elliott actually had 12 rushing touchdowns. I think that was a very high number because he got like a lot of carries close into the goal line. So if that continues, maybe he could hit that number again, but just his rushing production just wasn't that solid. 3.8 yards per carry for him. He didn't look all that great. But if he continues to get looks at the goal line, he's going to wor- 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 warrant excuse me, RB2 consideration. RB19 was Kenneth Walker. He missed two games, of course. He had the... um. He became the RB9 in points per game if you remove the two weeks he missed from injury in weeks 13 and 14. And week 13, he came out of that game early. But he showed next-level explosiveness. It's going to be interesting to see who gets the workload between him and Rashad Penny next year because Rashad Penny was also very efficient and played really well in his time out there. I I feel like Walker's going to be the RB1. But Penny may get more work than people expect just because I know Walker looks like the flashy rookie and second year guy. But of course, Penny, again, he was in his like breakout season a couple of years ago. He was the most efficient RB in the league in terms of yards per carry when he came back. Like He was averaging like something like six yards per carry or something crazy like that. So Walker's going to be in a mid-tier RB2 with upside. He's on the rise, I would say, in terms of uh, because he's young, because he performed so well in his rookie year. So he'll probably go in that higher-end RB2 range, but he could end up finishing maybe as a mid-end RB2 who's splitting more carries than you would have liked. And finally, the RB20 is Alvin Kamara. And it's going to depend for him, his selection on 
really what happens with his legal situation and whether he ends up getting suspended for his legal situation that got pushed beyond this year. A suspension is likely coming of a few games, so that could push him to the back end RB2 tier just outside the top 25 RBs. But when on the field, he's still very productive. I think if the Saints acquire maybe an upgrade at QB, because they could be in the market to do so, searching for maybe if they get like a Derek Carr, for example, maybe Alvin Kamara takes a jump back into the high-end RB2 range, back a little closer to what he used to be. But he just wasn't too much special out there. He had a lot of receptions, of course. So he's going to be valuable in half PPR and full PPR for sure. So that wraps up this episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in. This was part two of the Fantasy Recap Series. Again, send fantasy questions at SGFpod at Calvin underscore SGF on Twitter or secondgoalfantasy at gmail.com. Thank you all for tuning in. Next week, I'll be back with the top 20 wide receivers. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.